on the Optimize Law Firm. We're going to talk to Nermeen Jasani about how improving your operations can lead to a better bottom line in your business. So I'd like to introduce Nermeen Jasani, and Nermeen is an attorney originally by trade, and um, now is a whisperer for businesses who want to grow and make uh, become a lot more profitable. And she's worked with a lot of attorneys, and I think most recently she's just launched a new course based on her consulting work called Wildly Successful Law Firm. And it is, I'll let her describe it a little bit more in detail, but it sounds like a really awesome program for kind of smaller growing attorneys who are trying to take that next step and, uh, you know, expand their business, uh, get out of kind of, you know, survival mode and get into thriving mode. So um, pleased to have you. Thanks so much for taking a moment to chat with us. And um, be here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your consulting business in the past, uh, how you got into working with attorneys. Yeah, absolutely. So like you perfectly touched on, I am a recovered attorney. Um, I practiced law in New York uh, in 2010. So right when the markets crashed and it was the best time to be practicing law, that's exactly when I graduated. Um, I did a little bit of work on Wall Street and uh, unfortunately for my law career, I realized that I actually didn't enjoy the day-to-day -day practice of being a lawyer, and I stepped out of the day-to-day -day practice. But prior to um, even, you know, being a lawyer, I worked as a legal as a legal admin slash paralegal for uh, personal injury firms, insurance defense firms and a cute little family law office in Georgia. So I've got a significant background when it comes to actually knowing what solo business attorney or solo attorneys and small um, attorneys go through and sort of the headaches and the stress of moving money around from you know, your trust account to your operations account to your own personal account to make sure that you've got money for food and groceries and rent and all those things and all the headaches and the tensions that come with being a small attorney. So I get it. So tell us a little bit about Wildly Successful Law Firm and how you got to or why you thought there was a need for it, you know, compared to the consulting business and kind of who, you know, what it's all about, who it's for, uh, some of those, some of those type of questions. Yeah, perfect. So um, how to have a wildly successful law firm is exactly what it sounds like. We go through the steps that it takes to um, set up a law practice that you want to have. And the first place that we actually start is figuring out what kind of a lawyer you are and what kind of a law practice you have and if even you should go out on your own. So I'm sure that you know a lot of uh, solo small attorneys who you just think to yourself like, wow, maybe they shouldn't have gone out on their own or they're really working on their own or, you know, maybe they try it for a couple of years and then they end up being of counsel or going back into big firm practice. And those questions are so important to ask at wherever you are in your, um, in owning your own uh, law firm because you could very quickly realize that maybe you were better suited for a larger practice. And that's perfectly okay, but it also is a time for you to then, you know, realize that it's time to close the doors instead of stressing yourself out over wearing the lawyer hat and the business owner hat. And 
Some attorneys do it well, some attorneys don't do it well. And we that's really where we start in the course is trying to figure out, you know, are you best suited for this small firm lifestyle and being a lawyer and also being um, a business owner. From there, we go into uh, all the courses that touch on everything that you need to know as a business owner, not just as a lawyer, because you could be a great uh, lawyer, but be a terrible business owner. So we touch everything that you didn't learn in law school that you probably should have if you wanted to have your own practice. So we talk about finance, how to know what you should be charging every hour for your time, and if you should do package rates. By that, I mean you know charging for estate plans and um, you know, certain types of business contracts that are pretty um, fundamental that you know that are sort of a high volume thing, employment, employment agreements, handbooks, things like that. Um, we go through marketing, <laughs> you know, and what kinds of marketing are actually suited for your kind of business. We go through uh, figuring out your ideal client profile and uh, trying to figure out what systems you should be using in your practice and if you need to hire an admin or a paralegal or if you just want to be a solo attorney, you know, doing everything on your own forever. So we, we touch on everything that it takes to actually um, run a wildly successful law practice. And I think the most important thing that I want to emphasize here is wildly successful for me might be very different from what it would be for Sally and it's going to be very different from what it would be for Bob. And oftentimes as lawyers, you know, you tend to look at what someone else is doing and you think that you have to do that same thing. And the reality is that whatever kind of practice they have might not be suited for you based on your lifestyle, based on who you are, based on, you know, what your financial goals and objectives are. And so it's really important to understand that it's very individualistic when you create your own um, law firm and you know the reason that I think that this course stands out from the others is because I think that you know we've all gotten we've all seen a lot of marketing materials from a lot of other courses out there a lot of sort of masterminds group coaching programs and the one thing I can say is that every lawyer is different and so the kind of law practice that they want to build is going to be different and a lot of those other courses are sort of out of the box solutions that don't really tailor um, their advice based on the size of the practice or on the type of lawyer that they are. So I think that it's incredibly important to, you know, build a practice that actually reflects who you are rather than, you know, sort of just following Joe Schmo's path to having his law office. Um, so, you know, I, what I'd like to say is this is really suited for those solo small firm attorneys. If you have your own practice or if you are in a two to three person practice, this is really who this course is built for. Um, it's a do it yourself course. You pace yourself through the videos. There's, you know, 29 videos and over 15 hours of lecture. You do your own assessments. You complete Excel worksheets. You answer questions based on where your practice is right now. And all of that information just, you know, gives you grades and steps and creates a very clear path that goes A, B, C, one, two, three of how to build the law practice that you want to have. So if you are a DIYer and you can learn on your own, then this would be one of the best options for you. And what are some of the benefits that you see for law firms to improve their operations? Yeah. So 
one of the most simple things is you get to bill more, right? Like when you have streamlined processes in place, you're not focusing on, oh, wait, where is this? And did this get done? And what happened here? You know, you're focusing exclusively on the task list that's at hand. You get to meet with clients. You get to do the work. You get to bill for it. And I'm sure you're already familiar with the statistic, but, you know, I think back in, I think 2016 or 2018, they'd done a survey of solo uh, law firm attorneys, and they found that they work eight hours and bill for two, two and change, I believe is what it was. So that's an insane number if you think about, you know, the, the weeks in the year and the time that you're spending. So you're only, you know, charging for 25% of your time, like that's incredibly inefficient. So by having better operations, by having a smoother process, you are able to work eight and bill for closer to that eight right? It may not be a full eight, it might be a seven, it might be a six, but it, that's much better than a two, you know, that you get to bill for. So that is really one of the greatest benefits. Of course, you get to bill more, that means you get to make more, you get to make more, which means you either get to pay your student loans off faster, you get to buy that house faster, you get to buy that car faster. So really, when you think about law firm operations, think about it like, well, if I improve this, what can I buy with it, right? Don't think about it like, oh God, you know, this is going to be so incredibly stressful. What does this even mean? How do I even do this thing? Just start thinking about the benefits that you're immediately going to get from actually having better operations. And it becomes more money in your pocket to get the things that you really want to buy. Money is a fantastic one, but I also think that, and this goes back to a point you made a little bit earlier where success will look different for different people in different firms. And I think the focus on operations also gives you peace of mind and Absolutely. can be a, can reduce anxiety mm -hmm. and can just make it more enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, being a business owner and not feeling so stretched out uh, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, thin throughout your practice. Yeah. And there's that concept of work-life balance that gets thrown around every so often, you know, at CLE seminars and things like that, right? Like, what does work-life balance actually look like? Well, you know, it, it means that when you have smooth operations, you can actually have work-life balance. You don't have to be a slave to your law practice. You actually get to leave the law practice knowing that everything is still okay. So absolutely, Patrick, peace of mind and just having more success for sure. That's great. Starting a business is overwhelming, I think, even for people who like business. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have any recommendations for how attorneys, whether they like business or not, can take that first step in improving their operations without feeling overwhelmed? Yeah, I think one of the most important things is you have to be realistic. So. Number one, um, most attorneys are type A personalities. I'm a hyper type A personality myself, so I get it. Like I, when I think about something, I imagine that it's done, right? But uh, it doesn't actually work like that. So you might be thinking, I'm gonna set up my own law firm, I'm gonna start my law practice, and you know, you think it and it's done, and that's just not how it works. So I think you have to be, number one is be realistic about your expectations. Know that this is gonna take some time and that it is a trial and error process, right? Just picking your own case management software is a trial and error process. I would, I always recommend, you know, try it out, 
try out a couple, figure out which one sort of flows best for you. Figure out the one that feels the best for you. And it's different for everyone. Some people swear by best case, other people swear by Clio. And there's no rhyme or reason for it. It's just the way that it is. So if you're gonna go through and, and start setting up your um, law firm, you know, you just wanna know that it's gonna be a trial and error process. If you go into it with that mindset and you go into it with the reality that you're going to be trying out different things to figure out what works best for you, Google Docs versus Microsoft Word, Outlook versus Gmail. I mean, there's so many things out there, so many systems out there, but you have to pick the one that works best for you. So go into it with trial and error, be open to making mistakes, be open to, you know, setting up 30 days around these things, trying out these things, and then make a final decision after 30 days. Don't just immediately say, okay, we're using Outlook because we're using Outlook, you know, try out different platforms to see what works good, well for you and for your team and what's like the best tool out there. Now, you know, there could be other firms out there that are using Slack or that are using Salesforce and you might just be a newer attorney or you you might not understand how to use those systems or even want to use those systems. It's perfectly okay. It may not be right for you, but just because someone else is doing it doesn't mean that you should be doing it. What does success or a high performance law firm look like? Um, you know, from the start to kind of putting out fires and then you get to the end point, what does that look like? That, that kind of evolution? Yeah, I think for a lot of attorneys, it's the beautiful balance of still being able to practice law while not having to go into QuickBooks um, and actually invoice for their time, right? Like the less that they have to use the systems, the happier that I find most lawyers are. So it's typically what I see as this structure that most people are happy with is um, one or two attorneys, you know, one or two support staff and the attorney gets to take client meetings. There's structure around when meetings are taken. So what that can look like is Mondays and Fridays are meeting days. That gives you the bulk of the week, the center of the week to focus on court dates, to focus on getting client work done, to focus on you know, marketing, to focus on maybe hiring, doing training, maybe doing employee assessments, whatever it is, you get like the work done during the chunk of the week, but you do your sort of um, marketing, other sort of activity, you know, client activity on Mondays and Fridays. You know, it's also better, I think that way sometimes, because then if you miss a client on Friday, you can get back to them on Monday. So that nice little back-to-back -back there sort of helps a lot of um, attorneys. So it is definitely having a lot more structure in your day than I think most attorneys anticipate when they set up their practice. So having, you know, designated days of activity is very important. Using a calendar system. I mean, I, I've worked with attorneys who, you know, will take notes on the back of an envelope and then they'll lose the envelope and then, you know, they'll say, oh, where did that envelope go? So I think it's so important that as, a, as an attorney, you have a system for everything. So if you're going to take notes, you then now you have a binder instead of a back of an envelope. And that's the thing that you take notes in and you, you sort of have to keep training yourself on these systems and these processes. So don't ever expect that, you know, you're going to create a new system and then, you know, bam, your brain is going to now adapt to that system. It takes time. So give yourself the time, give yourself, you know, two weeks, 30 days to, to do it and to learn it. 
you know, it takes 21 days to build a habit. Just go into it with that assumption and, you know, make sure that whatever system it is that you're creating is one that actually works for you. So I could recommend a system for you and you may not even think that way or work that way. So the biggest difference I find with attorneys is technology versus no technology. So some attorneys prefer the paper calendar and that's perfectly fine. I'm not going to force, you know, an electronic calendar on you or Gmail or G calendar or whatever. Um, you know, use your paper calendar, just make sure you sync it at the end of the day with your staff so that you're all on the same page and that you don't have, you know, mismatched meetings. So, you know, schedule a time four o'clock every day, review calendar with staff. It's such simple steps or there are such simple things like moving notes from a piece of paper to some sort of system, but it's those things I think that are the backbone of a routine. And then from once you get to that routine, you can actually optimize and improve and see what what's working and how to shave time off or do things a little bit differently. But it, it's, it's interesting because it reminds me of how important just those little small tweaks are uh, and, and really get, set you up to, you know, uh, make optimizations and improvements later on. Yeah. With that. Yeah. And one thing I'll add in here too, Patrick, is, you know, we keep using the word system, right? And I think a lot of attorneys, when they hear system, they sort of like freeze and they're like, wait, what, what system, what system? And right. what you need to realize is that it's just sort of a generic word that, you know, people throw around in operations and really what system means is whatever system works for you. It does not mean it is technology. It does not mean it is somewhere online or cloud or whatever. It just means the, the process that you use and it's not exclusive to one format or another. This system is just the generic word and, and the, and the mm. process is whatever you feel most comfortable with. So if people start using that word system, don't get scared. It's We're just trying to figure out what works for you and what works for your team. Definitely. Should firms dedicate time from the beginning to improving their operations or is there an evolution to it where at the beginning they should focus on client service or marketing and then kind of move in when they hit a critical mass or what, what do you think about kind of the evolution and where operations fits into that? So what I like to say is that consistency is key in business, right? So when you start your business, you should do it with sort of a task list that you should put into a binder that you check in with um, every single month. And if you take the course, you get a task, a task list that you need to check in with every month. But in any case, you should have a monthly task list. This is what I need to be doing every single month. And that way you are going to be on track. Now, that task list is going to evolve over time. That task list might end up, you know, with you giving some responsibilities to an in-house bookkeeper or to an admin or to a paralegal or to your marketing department, right? Um, part of that task list may be things that you no longer do. And part of it might be things that you continue to do um, as a practicing attorney. So you just wanna make sure that you start with at least a monthly checklist and then schedule time into your calendar. Again, whatever calendar you use, whether it's Google or Apple or a paper calendar, you know, schedule it at you know, the beginning of the month to review activity from last month. 
And again, that list is going to evolve over time. And as your practice grows and changes, that list will evolve and change. But just make sure that you are checking in with yourself every single month on what you accomplished that month. That's great. There are a lot of areas that are covered by operations. Do you see one particular issue more often than, than not or that is affecting law firms or maybe a better way to describe it is what's the number one operation issue that you see holding law firms back? So there's two that I would say come in at a tie for me, Patrick. Um, <laughs> the first is billing and invoicing. So oftentimes I see um, a lot of the smaller offices not having a proper system for billing. So they will do all the work, but then they won't invoice the client for it um, on a proper schedule, which means that they then have a cash flow issue. So they've done the work and they haven't mm -hmm. billed for it. They haven't collected for it. And now it's 30 days later and they haven't collected the money and the work's already been done. So that is one of the issues that I see repeatedly across the board. What I usually say is, you know, look at your flow of clients and it, see if you need to, you know, um, have bi-monthly processing of, of invoices or if it needs to be monthly. I usually recommend start bi-monthly and then if you find that it's too much, you just don't have that much work, then switch to monthly, but at least to start, you should be doing it bi-monthly. Um, the second biggest issue that I see, Patrick, is of course marketing. Um, most clients, most attorneys are, are just sort of a, a hit or a miss. They don't do things consistently when it comes to marketing. And I'm sure you see that as well. And that's one of the things that I always say is if you're going to do SEO, you stick to that thing for six months, nine months. Don't call them after three months and say, you know, what's going on? I, I haven't gotten 300,000 phone calls. Um, one, that's just not going to happen. And two, you have to be consistent with these things and you have to give it time. So um, when you are doing marketing, just make sure that you're going to be consistent with it and make sure that you're going to do it and, and know that it is an investment of time, not just the money, but the time as well. So, you know, know that you're going to be doing it for six months to nine months at the very least and be prepared to then have that money set aside every single month. Don't make your company have to come chase you for money. I think we need to hire you just to go through <laughs> the timeline for SEO. Cause uh, that, <laughs> uh, no, that, that hundred percent um, agree with what everything you're saying. And I, you know, that kind of answers the, one of the other questions I have, which is what operational improvements have the best ROI for law firms. And it, it sounds like invoicing is a, is a huge one. Um, is that accurate? Yeah, I would say invoicing is a huge one because once you're actually able to collect the money that you've billed for, you know, it makes all the difference in the world um, for a lot of practices. And, you know, they're no different from other business owners, right? Like cash flow is an issue no matter what the size of your business is. I mean, you know, back when, you know, the uh, 2010 crisis hit and the market crashed in 08, you know, GE was having cash flow issues. So it's, don't think that you're the only one. Don't feel like, you know, you're a leper or something like that. Like it's common to have business cash flow issues. So definitely having a good system for invoicing is very important. But again, you know, marketing is just as important as well, right? Like not having the 
the intention of being consistent with marketing. That's, that's, if you can just improve that instead of just, okay, I'm going to do Facebook ads for one month and then I'm going to do SEO for another month and then pay-per-click for another month. And then I'm going to see what happens. Like that's not a consistent strategy. You have to do it with the intention of I'm doing this for six months. And that is really important to your operations because that is going to bring in the flow of clients that you can actually do work for and pay your you know, lease for and pay your secretary for, and, and that's where the money is going to come from. So, you know, when you have that system in place and you're working with a great company like Constellation, you know, you're able to actually get the results that, you know, you initially signed up for. I like the way you talk about it as well, because it makes it more approachable uh, that, you know, these are kind of bite-sized things that you can do and take steps on, but also the consistency aspect of it, um, I think is also really important because, you know, as you know, people who change strategy every month, it's, it's just really difficult to then be successful at any of the, the, the things they're trying to do because it's, there's so much uh, turnover. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, spaghetti against the wall is fun as a game, but as a business strategy is completely ineffective. So you know, don't opt for the, we're going to try everything and let's see what works. It, it, it's not going to work. I can tell you that now. Be intentional, be concise, be focused. Through your work, I'm sure you've seen some law firms really take to the advice you're giving them and really improve their operations. Uh, of your clients who really crush it, you know, with operations, why are they so successful? What separates them from other firms? Yeah, I love that. So what makes some firms more successful than others is that they are focused. They're, they're so clear on what kind of law practice they have. They're so clear on what they do on a day-to-day -day basis. They're so clear on who's doing what on a day-to-day -day basis, who's responsible for things. And there's no uncertainty, right? Like that is what makes a law firm extremely successful. They know which clients they are onboarding that month. They know how much they are gonna receive in a retainer or what they're gonna be receiving as their fees. They know how long they're gonna be working on that client for. They also know where their next clients are gonna come from because they've got a great marketing strategy in place and there's no questions. They've got you know a, a clear understanding of these are our targets. We're going to make, you know, $50,000 a month for the next, you know, 12 months. And this is where the money is going to come from. And then from the money that comes in, this is where that money is going to go. And then after that, this is what's left for me as the business owner. So no questions, total clarity and certainty. There's no muddied waters here. Interesting. And I assume some people are just naturally built like that to provide, you know, to get themselves in a position like that. But do you have, is there anything you can recommend or that you've just seen from your experience that helps people go from kind of a chaotic mindset of trying a lot of different things to lasering in on that, getting that clarity uh, and, you know, and then advancing their, their practice? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest things is you've got to ask yourself the right questions. A lot of times business owners don't ask themselves the right questions. They ask the wrong questions. You know, they'll ask, well, what do I want to buy this year instead of, okay, like, 
how much can I actually make this year based on the clients that I have? You know, they'll sort of set these big targets of, okay, I'm going to make, you know, uh, $10 million this year when the last year they made two. Like some things are just not reasonable. So I would say like you, you really have to be in like the mindset of reality and what's actually possible instead of sort of what's impossible. And I'm all for reaching for the stars, but it's, it's gotta be a little bit more realistic. So um, I think that that is definitely one of the most important things that you can do. And, you know, I think in terms of, is it possible to sort of train yourself to have this mindset of consistency? Absolutely. You know, you're trained to be a business owner. Nobody is sort of born to be a business owner. You know, I can tell you, I have, you know, a very entrepreneurial family and, and that's not enough. Like it technically runs in my blood for us to all be entrepreneurs, but you know, it's certainly not something that comes natural. You have to train it. Um, you, you have to sort of, uh, it, it's sort of like going to the gym and, and, you know, going from five pound dumbbells to, you know, 50 pound dumbbells. Like it, it's gotta be repeated consistently over time and you get better with it over time. And over time you do learn what to focus on and what not to focus on and like what's the right thing for your business versus what's not the right thing for your business. And, you know, one of the most important things that you can do is just sort of turn off the sound, if that makes sense. So there's going to be a lot of other lawyers who do what you do. You know, there's how many divorce attorneys in Atlanta and how many personal injury attorneys in Atlanta. And the thing I always say is that you're not actually competition to each other. And most attorneys are like, what? What do you mean we're not in competition? They're a divorce attorney too. And what I always say is, you know, there's no reason that one client is gonna hire that person over you. You know, there's always something different that sets you guys apart and you're really not competition. So if you can focus on like the thing that makes you special, that makes you really good at what you do and you create like an ideal client profile around that and you speak only to them, you're gonna be much, much, much more successful. And again, that requires a significant amount of training. You have to turn out, turn off the noise. You have to stop looking at what other people are doing and you've just gotta focus on, okay, what kind of a practice do I wanna build? Like, what am I really good at as an attorney and how do I build a practice that reflects my skill set rather than let me go learn, you know, all these new different areas of law and I'm gonna be the one attorney who can do criminal and personal injury and estate planning like that is way too much you can have one attorney dedicated to each of those things but for you to sit there and say okay so now you're going to take cle's and all these things and you're going to start doing these things is just a little bit um unreasonable you know focus on the thing that makes you really good and then keep training that thing and become even better at it so you know like they say you know don't be the best be the only one so be the only one who does that thing. And it can be something that's so super focused, you know, that does divorces for rappers or, you know, that does estate planning for um, divorcees, whatever it is, you know, be, be the only one who does that thing. So the goal of this podcast is to help growing firms optimize their practice to be more profitable and enjoyable. Uh, is there anything that we've left out or any other tips from your experience working with law firms that you can suggest to help them do that, improve profits or make it more enjoyable? Yeah, I, 
you know, it seems like something that's so small, but it's the smallest things that make the biggest differences, Patrick. Um, one of the things that I say is communication. Communication as an attorney is so important. You can never overlook it. I can't tell you, you know, if you look at the number of bar complaints that happen every single year because of lack of communication from an attorney, that's like the number one reason why bar complaints are filed. My attorney won't get back to me. I have no idea where my attorney went. Look, I get it. Personal things come up. You know, there are some situations that will be uncontrollable, but what I really mean by communication is um, when you are in an industry that charges a high amount and sometimes takes a very long time to see a result, you owe it to your clients to provide not just communication, but like excessive communication, right? It might seem excessive to you as an attorney, but as the client, they'll be so thankful for it. And, and what's going to happen is because of that level of communication that you've gotten from that attorney, they're going to now refer you significantly more because they so enjoyed the experience. So communication can come in many forms. You can just send an email to your client every Friday saying, here we are on the case and there have been no, um, no, uh, in, no, uh, nothing has moved forward. This is what we're waiting on. You don't need to do anything. Here's where we are right now. And really that's all it needs to say. And the time it takes you to do it is less than it would take for you to respond to an angry client. Because what's gonna happen is you're gonna collect all this evidence and all this documentation showing, look, you did respond to them and they didn't get back to you. And, and why would you do that? Why would you go to battle with your own client who's already paid you? So I think you're just in a much better situation if you have really clear communication with all of your clients, make the phone calls, send the emails, even if you think that they're unnecessary or they're exhausting, um, send them anyway. And, and the other thing that I say is, if you're communicating, please don't communicate with legal speak. So if your client is the plaintiff, don't say, hey, you're the plaintiff in this case. They have no idea what that means. It's completely uh, obscure to them. They, they didn't go to law school. It's not their job to know that they're the plaintiff or the defendant or what some document means, or what a complaint means, or what an answer means, or what interrogatories mean. They're not supposed to know what any of that stuff means. So what I beg is that you not send your clients like documents that you receive from opposing counsel saying, please answer these interrogatories, or my secretary will call you to respond to these inter interrogatories, and you send them this document in the middle of the workday. They're gonna look at that document and say, what does this mean? Why are they asking me these questions? Like, that is not effective communication with your client. What you really wanna make sure that you do is you say, this is what an interrogatory is. This is typical process in discovery. Discovery means this, like please stop using, you know, legalese as layman speak because it's not, and I can't tell you how many less emails you will have to respond to and how many less phone calls you will take if you just take the additional 15 seconds to create templated emails that explain what everything's, everything is before sending it on to your clients. Because what's immediately gonna happen is they're gonna call you and they're gonna say, hey, what is this? And that's a voicemail you're gonna have to check. And then if you don't respond to them, then they're gonna be more upset and that's just gonna add to your workload. So be prepared, <laughs> communicate ahead of time, communicate effectively. And that is really just one of the things that you can do. The, the number one tip that I could give you is just please communicate effectively.
let the good times roll. Uh, yeah. All that is uh, fantastic advice and uh, really appreciate your time. I think we touched on a lot of really good topics and got a lot of really good actionable actionable nuggets for growing firms out there. So thank you so much for joining us and we really appreciate your time. Thanks, Patrick. I appreciate it. Thank you.